As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Tyler's Place Podcast. I'm your host, Maynard Edwards, 32nd Degree KCCH. Thank you so much for joining us. Broadcasting from the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. And to all of you who have just joined the Scottish Rite, I know we've got a lot of spring reunions going on and finishing up. To all of our new Masters of the Royal Secret, welcome. Let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, thanks for tuning into the Tyler's Place Podcast. You can email me anytime, podcast at scottishrite.org. Also, there's a bunch of Scottish Scottish Rite apps online. Your Valley probably has an app as well, but if they do, ask your secretary. They'll be able to tell you. We've got the Scottish Rite Journal app, so you can read back issues of the journal anywhere and get the current issue of the journal the minute it's available. So if you're waiting at the doctor's office or you've got to go sit at motor vehicles or whatever, you can read the Scottish Rite Journal. There's also two great apps for communicating with brothers all across the southern jurisdiction. First is the Scottish Rite app, which is a messaging app, and then also is SR Chirp, which lets you talk to guys from your valley or valleys all across the country. They're free. They're in your app store right now, so make sure you check those out. Let's get into Tyler's Place podcast. Got a lot to cover, a couple of exciting topics, and Art DeHoyas is going to be around in just a little while to explain about how this building that I'm sitting in right now gets used utilized during the biennial session, the big meeting we have every two years. We're due for one in August, so we're all getting geared up. Art's going to explain last time this building was used and why we have gotten away. Also, true or false, there was once a moat around the house of the temple. Art has those answers coming up in just a little bit. Sometimes when I am here at work and I'm kind of hanging out and I need a little breather, I'll take a stroll around the building and I will check out some of the museum pieces that are here in the House of the Temple. And there's one room that the walls are lined with many, many famous masons from all over the country, some of them from all over the world. And one caught my eye the other day and I had to check it out. Oliver Hardy of Laurel and Hardy fame, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about Brother Hardy, so I have contacted Scott McGillivray. Now, Scott is joining me by phone. Scott, I guess, you know, I don't want to give it away. Tell me a little bit about the organization that you represent. 
Sons of the Desert, named after a Laurel and Hardy movie. And the organization's namesake film, of course, is a little tip of the hat to Shrine Masonry. Oliver Hardy was a Mason, but first let's start with Sons of the Desert. It's basically a, a fan club, is that correct? Yes. John McCabe, who is Laurel and Hardy's biographer, uh, had gotten the idea for a group of, he insisted on calling them buffs. So then you are the perfect person to tell me a little bit more about Brother Oliver Hardy. He was born in 1892 in Georgia. His hometown was Harlem, Georgia, spelled the same way as Harlem, New York. And uh, he was uh, raised by a single mother uh, in Georgia, and she ran a hotel. So he was the general factotum of the hotel, would help out. And uh, growing up, seeing all the various characters in the passing parade of life, passing through the hotel and in later years he drew upon that to uh, for his uh, his acting career but uh, while he was in georgia uh he became uh when he became of age i should I think it was 18 uh he became a professional movie projectionist he ran a theater when the movies were young and uh that got to production because At that time, there weren't any feature films. Feature uh, films were pretty much 10 or at best 20 minutes long. It was then thought that the audience of a film would not have the patience to see a film running any longer than 10 minutes. Some ran as little as three minutes, just little, little vignettes of things. And Hardy would see the comedies that were playing and said, oh, I can do better than that myself. So he sought out a studio in his region that was making comedies, and that was in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, so he started there as a prop boy and assistant director. You were pretty much asked to do anything. If you were part of the film crew, you might be uh, a crowd extra one day, assistant director the next day, uh, assistant cameraman, whatever it might be. You were part of a gang that made these pictures. And the unit that uh, Oliver Hardy, who was uh, called Babe, incidentally, uh, was uh, involved with, they only made comedies. And that was in Jacksonville, Florida. So while he was in Jacksonville, he joined the Masons. This is in 1918. And uh, he was with the Solomon Order, which is lodge number 20 of the Masons. And he became a master mason, and he took all the degrees up to and including the 32nd degree. And I'm quoting Mrs. Hardy, uh, who said, he tried to live up to Masonic ideals at all times, and he was extremely happy and grateful to be made a life member in the Solomon Lodge in October 1948, unquote. So uh, masonry was always very dear to Oliver Hardy's heart, and he really... uh, tried to uh, keep that ideal going all through his life. That is really fantastic to hear because a lot of times some of those you know, famous Masons who were actors, and John Wayne would be an example, they weren't really involved with the craft. They became Masons, but they, they didn't really get too into it. But it's great to hear that Brother Hardy 
actually this this was a real thing to him this wasn't just an honorary thing oh yes it was far more than honorary with him he really he really uh, took that to heart and for decades and decades and then when he became a life member he was just over the moon about that brother hardy's famous show business partner stan laurel was not a mason in fact he wasn't even american he was british is that correct no that's that's correct he came from a, a theatrical family he was born in ulverston england in lancashire and uh, his father, Arthur Jefferson, was a theatrical impresario. He put on plays. He was a playwright, a director, a producer. And at that time, uh, this is before motion pictures, live entertainment was the way to pass an evening. So uh, he had a very thriving theatrical troupe in theaters and uh, played the latest plays. And uh, Stan Laurel grew up in that atmosphere. And uh, he kind of, from there he went into vaudeville, or musical, I should say. In Britain it's musical, here it's vaudeville. And uh, he was with a, the company uh, Fred Carno, K-A-R-N-O, who was, uh, I'm trying to think of who he might be compared to, uh, somebody who, is, uh, who assembles a group of promising comedians. Yes, Lorne Michaels was an excellent example. And uh, so Carno had rounded up these eccentric comedians and put them in these you know, half-hour or 45-minute comedy sketches. And in the Carno company was Charlie Chaplin, who was starting out his career as well in pantomime. So Laurel and Chaplin became roommates and were very close. And uh, then when uh, the Carno group uh, had a chance to go to America, and most of them went, and including Laurel and Chaplin, and then they had their choice of returning to England or staying where they were, and they both decided to stay in America where uh, Chaplin went into pictures with Max Sennett's Keystone Studio, and Laura went into American Vaudeville. So uh, he played vaudeville for, I would say, about five or six years uh, across the United States. And meanwhile, Oliver Hardy is making movies either as a leading comic or more often as a villain because of his large size. He could tower over any little shrimpy comedian and, and be a very imposing figure. So uh, as often as not, he was the heavy to uh, comedians. So uh, their, their paths crossed in 1921. Uh, most biographies say 1917. Stan was never clear on the date in later years, but it has since been shown to be 1921 that uh, they made a film together called The Lucky Dog, in which Stan plays this goofball who uh, is held up by a pickpocket, and the pickpocket is Oliver Hardy. Just a one-shot deal. They, they were friendly. They were just a couple of young actors <laughs> trying to get along, and uh, then they, they split up and uh, didn't see each other again for about four or five years when they were both working for the Hal Roach studio. Laurel, by this time, was working as a writer, and Hardy was a member of the Hal Roach stock company, usually playing villains. So uh, then the Hal Roach producers and directors started noticing that Laurel and Hardy were really, they had a great chemistry, the rapport was there. Uh, each was feeding gags to the other. Each could react off what the other was doing. So they noticed this, and gradually the, 
stock company of uh, what Hal Roach called All Stars became more Laurel and Hardy focused, and the other people would be in support of them until finally they became Laurel and Hardy comedies. They had become the leading players of this series of comedies. And uh, then their first official Laurel and Hardy comedy came along in 1928, and uh, they stayed together uh, until Hardy's death in 1957. On-screen, Laurel and Hardy are pretty well inseparable. Is it the same off-screen? Were they close friends? Yes and no. Uh, yes, they were friendly, but no, they were really not all that close until after they stopped making pictures in America in 1945. And the reason is that Hardy uh, pretty much confined his work to acting in the comedies, and then when it was quitting time, he'd go to the golf course and he'd knock off nine holes of golf or whatever it might be, or he'd go home and he'd cook. A great hobby of his was cooking. Or he'd go fishing, whatever, any sort of, of hobby, outdoors type of hobby. And uh, Laurel, meantime, at quitting time, would go right to the editing room and look at the scenes that had been shot the previous day and then figure out how they could be cut together. And then he'd have a conference with the writers, and they'd figure out how can we make this work. So he'd put in practically another shift behind the scenes, working out the pictures while Hardy's off having a good time. And that was never a problem. It was never a point of contention. It was just that Laurel always tried to be more creative and tried to uh, make the pictures as best he could, and Hardy was content to just act in them, he thought, and then go off and do his thing. It's been almost 100 years since Laurel and Hardy really got together, and yet there is still fascination with them. In fact, just last year, there was a film called Stan and Ollie that was actually a pretty big hit. I recommend it highly. We and the Sons were a little worried about that because we thought it would just be a very shallow impersonation and it wouldn't really be fair to the comedians. But the actors, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley, really just inhabited the characters. They, they nailed the voices, the gestures. Uh, a Laurel and Hardy fan would be in heaven just watching this. Scott McGillivray, he is with the Sons of the Desert, which, by the way, if you're interested in being a part of the Sons of the Desert, it's a Laurel and Hardy, let's not call it a fan club, let's say appreciation organization, and you can look for them just through Google. And that film that we talked about, Stan and Ollie, that is available on Amazon, and the Sons of the Desert film, where the organization gets their name, that's available on Amazon as well. You can rent it for $1.99. I don't want to give out a plug, but, you know, for two bucks, go watch a fellow mason at work this is the tyler's place podcast from the house of the temple in washington dc this is the tyler's place podcast i am maynard edwards your host 32nd degree kcch joining us now by phone from the valley of santa fe brother mark oldno 33rd degree he's our educational correspondent and mark this month talking to us about a holiday, or I guess a, a, I don't want to call it a holiday, I guess I want to say a recognition of sorts revolving usually around the month of April. Talking, of course, about April Fool's Day and, of course, the symbol of the fool. You know, the fool is, is ascribed to the month of April. And at some very basic level, we can kind of gain an insight right off the bat from that. Um, 
that the fools equated with spring, with the time when, you know, hormones are flowing if you still got them, um, where love as, as kind of a foolishness, as, as robbing us of our senses, um, that Shakespearean sense of love, um, is, is kind of predominant and is something that, 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 you know, almost all of us run into at one point or another as the spring is rising. Um, so perhaps it's not, not all that unusual that April begins with, uh, with the celebration or recognition of the, the fool. But again, historically, um, we can go back to Plato, uh, who talks about the theomania, the, the divine madness. Um, he talks about that in the Phaedrus, in the dialogue that he, he wrote on the very nature of love and will and how we kind of control our passions. We can also see the tradition of the fool, and particularly the wise fool, across almost all traditions. For this episode, what I'd really like to share is an example of the wise fool, and one that I think particularly is rich and can teach us as Scottish Rite Masons something about ourselves and something about our fraternity. If you go into the Sufi traditions, and the Sufi traditions are particularly influenced by this idea of all-encompassing love, of bhakti, of, of um, divine love for, for, the, for the beloved, for God. And within the Sufi tradition, there's a character called Mula Nasruddin. Mula Nasruddin, in almost every part of the world, in Central Asia and, and the Middle East, is a very famous character. Everybody knows who Mula Nasruddin is. Um, not so true here in the West. Now, Mula Nasruddin originally actually was a, um, uh, a real man. He, uh, he lived in the 13th century in Turkey. Uh, he was a wazir or a judge. Um, he, uh, his uh, festival is still celebrated in the first week of July in his hometown in Turkey. Um, so so he, he, he really was a, uh, a person who used his wisdom in order to help make decisions. But as time went by, he got turned into this icon that's really a symbol in the Middle East for the wise fool. I want to share with you a very brief Mullah Nasruddin's story. One day, Mullah Nasruddin and his friend are sitting as the sun is going down and they're admiring the sunset. They're sitting on the friend's front porch. And they're talking and they're very impassioned in their philosophical discussion. And then they notice that it's actually gotten dark out and they can't really see too far around them. And so Mullah Nasruddin's friend says to Mullah, Mullah, light a candle. There's one right over on your left side. And Mullah Nasruddin answers back, but my friend, what are you saying? It's dark. How can I tell my left from my right? Now, at face value, that's not a particularly funny punchline that comes in. You can see where it's, it's kind of a silly answer. And if we pause and we look at that story symbolically, it's a rich little story about the nature of who we are and about the nature of what enlightenment or wisdom really is. Here, it's telling Mullah, Mullah can't see what he's already got right next to him. The light is always with us, even when we are dark as a candidate, or if we're dark in our despair. There's always, not just the promise of light, but the existence of the light both within us and around us. We have to 
reference our own internal wisdom to reach over, in Mola's case, to the left-hand side, so that we know the difference between left and right. We don't have to see it. it. It's built into us. There's always a degree of wisdom that's innate to us. Again, there's a Sufi line that says you can't teach somebody who doesn't already know something. So we already have that wisdom available, that light available to us if we are aware of it. And if we're aware of it, in the dark, in our despair, in our uncertainty, we already know a little bit about where to reach out, where to begin to, to bring that light into full manifestation and to, to cast away the clouds of despair and uncertainty. We see that all the time in the work that we do as candidates within the Scottish Rite. Indeed, we're taught that one of our higher, one of the great gifts that we get out of this is the knowledge that we all have a divine spark within us, that, that we're collect, connected back to that identity of God. And again, you can see that couched within that little story of Mulanas Rudin. Um, he, the light is always right next to him. He just has to reach over and be wise enough or lucky enough to simply light it. So again, I offer you that, that as a symbol of the wise fool, Mula Nasruddin and all of his stories are well worth pausing and sitting on their very tiny nuggets. They'll take you about 30 seconds to read one, um, but then you can meditate on it for days on end. They're very rich, and they constantly reveal layers. So I want to give to the brethren for springtime and for April the gift of Mula Nasruddin, and I encourage you all to uh, take some time, go in and uh, uh, see if you can find some of his stories. There's a bunch online. That's our educational correspondent, Brother Mark Oldno, 33rd degree from the Valley of Santa Fe. And if you're interested in more light in masonry, check out the Master Craftsman Program. Ask your Valley Secretary or visit scottishrite.org slash store and you can find out all about the Scottish Rite Master Craftsman Program. It is the best Masonic education available. Coming up, Brother Art Tahoyas. From the House of the Temple, this is the Tyler's Place Podcast. I'm Maynard Edwards. Art DeHoyas joins me now. And, you know, Art, just two floors above us is the Temple Room. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It's spacious. It was designed specifically to be used by the Scottish Rite for the biennial sessions. However, we don't do that anymore. We do it up the street at a hotel because hundreds and hundreds of people just don't fit in that room. And also, Washington, D.C. in the summertime is sweltering and there is no air conditioning. Has that room been used recently for any biennial session type activity? Yes, it was. Yeah, in in fact, in recent memory even, I remember in the 90s even, uh, sessions being held here. We had the Grand Tyler upstairs. Uh, And it was kind of a luck of the draw thing. If you were fortunate enough to be able to get up to the room and there was a seat for you, you were good to go. If not... Well, sorry, try next year. Right. But um, you're right. It does get very uncomfortable here. And that's one of the genius things that Pope did was design the building in a way to alleviate some of the heat. You know, we have those two large brass doors in the temple room on either side, um, which open up. And if the door is cracked we, uh, down in the entrance, it creates a flow of air that helps to cool the building. The hot air is pulled out. The cool air comes in. And it's not as good as air conditioning but it worked i mean you know these people were used to that 
And as you know, in recent years, we've actually shut up everything and uh, put air conditioning units in the room with some success. But it is D.C. after all. It's sweltering hot and the hotels are a lot more comfortable and equipped. Yeah, and I would also imagine that the larger buildings on either side that didn't exist when the House of the Temple was built, they also must hinder the airflow pretty considerably. Yeah, that makes sense to me also. Yeah, absolutely. Legend has it there was a moat that also provided some swamp cooling effect around the building. True or false? Well, we still have the moat, of course. Uh, we don't have water or alligators in it right now. Uh, um, one other question. This is actually very exciting news. You mentioned Scottish Rite Research Society recently re-released. And, uh, I mean, they're flying out the door. I'm watching book after book after book go out the door. Herondom Volume 1. Absolutely right. Yeah, this is the most popular thing that we've done in, I don't know, since sliced bread, I guess. Probably since Esoterica. Um, We didn't anticipate that we would have the growth in the research society that we had. So, I don't remember how many copies of uh, Volume 1 were originally printed. There was a reprint, and then that was exhausted. And even the reprints would sell for several hundred dollars. Uh, but I tell people, if you own an original or a reprint, you know, and you paid money for it, don't feel bad because an original work of art is always worth more money than a copy. Would you rather own the original Constitution or a copy of the Constitution? Sure. So original Mona Lisa or a copy. Um, so in any case, though, but if you're looking for content and scholarship, whatnot, you're really lucky because Volume 1 is now available again. And I can't tell you how many people have told me that this is the only volume that they need to complete their set of heritage. So it's a good time to be a member. And you can find that by going to scottishright.org and uh, search around for the store there. I think it was at 35 bucks if you're a member. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right, which is a heck of a bargain. I mean, when you consider that the uh, other, you know, that the original or the reprints were selling literally for several hundred dollars. So check that out. And if you're not a member of the Scottish Rite Research Society, shame on you. It's uh, fantastic. It's it's 50 bucks a year still, I think. Um, you know, honestly, I should know that, but I'm a life member. Um, being on the board... All yeah, the, membership has its privileges. Well, all board members... Uh, were required to purchase a life membership, which I did many, many, many years ago, um, and and it actually turned out to be a good deal. So, right. and and even if you get Herondom every year and you get a bonus book, plus you get the Plumline quarterly newsletter, which there's always great stuff in there. And the best thing about it is, if you get that stuff and you read it, you will be the most informed Mason in your lodge. And that is, you know, I like that sometimes. I like to be able, you know, last night there was a group of EAs in my lodge, and you know, the, their cat instructor brought him over and I said hi to him and st- they were asking questions and I was I was like a mini Art De Hoyas out there throwing answers out it was a lot of fun it, it really is amazing it's a good time to be a mason um, you know I'm a little bit older than you are uh, but when I joined Freemasonry in the 1980s there were precious few sources contemporary sources of, of good Masonic scholarship there was the, you know Ars Quadra Coronatorum you know, the publication of Quarter Quarter Coronati Lodge in London. Um, you know, there was the Philolathes, but there really was Southern California Lodge research. But these were like very rare, very many times the magazines were much smaller things. But the Research Society is very successful and has really hardcore research on everything that you could want in Masonry history, rituals, symbolism, philosophy. And today's uh, Masons are much better informed and educated than they were back in my younger days. 
Which is really tricky, considering that the, the Freemasonry is sort of the, the original victim of fake news. I mean, there are a few few institutions are more the victim of, of internet hoax and internet fallacy and foolishness than than our fraternity is. And it's if you're a new Mason, especially vetting your sources can be a real challenge to know what's real and what's not. Because a lot of things, you know, if you're if you're not well educated might look real to you and then you're walking around with fake knowledge whereas these are things you can put your hand on and say these guys know what they're talking about 100 percent absolutely i mean it's accessible scholarship that's an important some articles are tougher to read than others and i'm guilty of sometimes falling into that camp um but i mean there is really something there for everybody Uh, like i said it's a great thing you mentioned the bonus books i mean you get the most bang for your buck in the scottish right research society than you would in any other masonic allied organization well, check that out. You can find out about that online as well, scottishright.org, and you can also go to scottishrightresearchsociety.org and uh, search Google in the various areas. Um, I'll bet you there's somebody in your valley who's a member, so check it out. I'm a member. Um, obviously, Art's on the board. It's 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 really interesting stuff, and so many people are excited about Herodom. I mean, I'm literally watching. I saw a stack of books go out. I was like, wow, what was going on? Oh, now I know what it is. So um, let's get into our question. Last month's question was, you really liked this one was what is the Masonic connection between every president from Andrew Jackson to Andrew Johnson? That's right. And I don't know that we had any correct answers come in on this we one. We did not have any correct answers. So we can let this one go because I th- this one you could, with a little bit of digging, I think you could find. And um, I guess maybe we could give a little hint. Well, now, should, should we go ahead and give an answer this time or... Should we let this one lay over and give them a chance to dig a little deeper? I think dig a little deeper, but we might want to give them a a hint, so to speak, because we had some answers come in, but now I know that what the answer is, they they were not correct. Okay. Um, Can I say that the answer is a noun? I think we already knew that. It's, so it's a person. There's a personal connection. Yeah, there, there is a personal connection. And um, it shouldn't be too tough, really, to figure that out. Um, gosh... Let's just say, think Washington, D.C. Okay. Washington, D.C., masonry, presidents. That narrows it right down. No, but really, guys, do a little digging on this one because it's a very interesting connection once you once you find out. I will say that the, the, the person that is the connection is a, a significant Masonic figure. Absolutely. Uh, an extremely important person. Um, so it's not some random Supreme Court justice who was an apprentice and that was the end of it. It's, it's, this oh, no. is an important Masonic figure. Yeah, he was a big shot in Masonry and elsewhere. Let's leave it at that. But uh, the more you find out about this brother, uh, the more impressed you'll be also. Excellent. Well, that is worth some research as always. Brother Art, thank you so much, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. My pleasure. Take care. And that'll wrap up the Tyler's Place podcast. Don't forget, email me anytime, podcast at scottishright.org. If you've got questions, comments, ideas for the show, or if you're interested in becoming a Freemason or a Scottish Rite Mason, would love to hear from you, podcast at scottishright.org. I'm your host, Maynard Edwards, 32nd Degree, KCCH. I'll catch you next time right here on the Tyler's Place.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.